The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. This is Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. Okay, so I thought it would be a cool time now to do a bit of hot topics. Like typically my podcasts are about one particular topic that I kind of dig into a little bit um, and just kind of make that the focus. But I feel like it's time for some hot topics. It's time to kind of see, get my take. And I love to hear from other people on just some of these other issues. So we're going to talk about... Idaho murder suspect possibly facing firing squad. My thoughts on that. Um, Let's definitely talk about Trump and this arrest or non-arrest. And I really want to focus in a little bit on 2024. I haven't talked at all about where I stand when it comes to the 2024 candidates. Um, I think we should talk about DeSantis and all the hate that he's getting, having not declared that he's running. And then to engage minorities or not to gauge minorities. Like that is the question when it comes to Republicans. And I kind of want to talk about that too. So we're going to talk about all of that this on this episode of my special hot topics edition of Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. So let's jump right in with the topic that's not a political topic, so to speak. Um, The Idaho murder suspect. So we all know about this case. If you you don't know, please go look it up. Um, But it's a terrible, terrible case of where roommates were murdered in their home after having a night of having fun with their friends. And we're still learning a lot more about it, but there is a suspect who has been charged and there's a lot of evidence that seemingly points in his direction. So that's what kind of makes this a little bit relevant. So I did a little bit of research because when I saw that firing squad, death by firing squad is coming back, I I kind of felt like I was like, wait a minute, that seems so outdated, but I'm not mad at it. And I'm going to tell you why. Um, but first, let me give you some backs, kind of the backstory on what's happening in Idaho. So in 2009, Idaho passed a law that made lethal injection the default method of execution in the state. However, the law still allows for the use of firing squad if the prisoner requests it or if the drugs that are needed for the lethal injection are not available or somehow it's deemed unconstitutional. So... The firing squad method was never fully outlawed in Idaho to start with. It was just limited as a method of execution. And recently, on this past Monday of this recording, the Idaho Senate passed a bill with a veto-proof majority that will restore firing squads as a backup execution method when lethal injection is unavailable or if it be- or when or if it becomes un- unconstitutional. So 
firing squad is back. And, (laughs) um, okay. Now that being said, here's the thing. I personally don't have an issue with the firing squad thing. I idea. I, I just don't because, um, I believe that over time we have relaxed our methods of punishment on human beings because human beings have become more civilized. Um, I, I, I don't think that anyone wants to relax the effectiveness. Now, as people are becoming more increasingly crazy, I absolutely, and I, and I mean that not in a sense of like a mental health issue. I mean, literally like you're just out of control and doing things that you know is wrong, but you just don't care. I, I personally don't have a problem with firing squads. I, I think it is cheaper and I feel like it's, you know, safer. I I don't have an issue with that. Now, that is my political mind looking at it from all angles there. However, the death penalty is something that I am still researching in general because as a believer, I do sometimes struggle with the, do we kill or do we not kill when it comes to this? However, there was a lot of instances in the Bible where people were killed. And I like to equate the firing squad to being stoned to death. <laughs> so um, so that that part's still a little up in the air. But if if we decide, yes, we believe in the death, death penalty and you're like, I'm a death penalty person. And if I'm like, yep, Okay, because that's where I that's where I stood prior to doing research, and I'm still doing research, and I haven't changed my stance completely, but I have questioned it a little bit. But I will say that as of right now, I am okay with the death penalty, and I don't have an issue with firing squads. I just don't. But this made me do a little bit more of a I kind of want to look into lethal injection and just see why there has been issues with lethal injection. And from my understanding, it has a lot to do with the botched execution. So in the United States, there's been been cases where the drugs were not properly administered, which led to a prolonged or agonizing death. And I definitely think that's inhumane. Um, Drug shortages, of course, you know, some of the drugs that are used for lethal injection are in short supply and have been banned for the use of executions due to ethical concerns. So this has kind of led to people coming up with alternative drugs, which resulted, resulted in some controversy because of the different combination that may be associated with it. There's also ethical and legal challenges because there's some people who feel that you know, this is a violation of the Eighth Amendment um, in, in, of the Constitution, which prohibits cruel and unusual punishment. I thought lethal injection was the the response to cruel and unusual punishment, but, you know, who am I? And obviously there's, like, some transparency issues. Some people are like, well, we don't know the details of the drugs, which I'm like, I don't know how much detail I need to know about cyanide. Not that they use cyanide, but, I mean, if I know something is going to be utilized to, to, to kill someone, I don't know. I'm not really concerned about what it does to your cholesterol. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Not saying that's what they're concerned about, but that's just my, my take. So, in Georgia... Because now I was like, is this even an option for Georgia? And while Georgia, we don't have a firing squad law, right? And some of y'all may know, but I do sit on the Board of Corrections for the state. And 
I have never had this conversation with anyone, so um, I don't plan to because I don't think this is an issue for us, but I did want to find out some stuff and do some research. So apparently in Georgia, there hasn't been a firing squad law. However, although our current method is lethal injection, that was put in place in 2001. So like prior to 2001, Georgia used the um, electrocution or AKA the electric chair as the primary method of execution. That was from 1924 to 2001. And over that time period, the state electrocuted 441 people. And the electric chair apparently had a name called Old Sparky. And that's what was utilized. Now, Kelvin, my husband said that he does remember when the electric chair was utilized, but he's also a little bit older than me. But I was like a little surprised by that. For some reason, I thought it was a lot more outdated. Um, but apparently the last execution that was that was utilized, with, where Old Sparky was utilized, was in 1998 with a man named Dawson Mathis, who was put to death. Um, and before the electric chair, Georgia used to hang. We used to do hangings. And that was the primary method of execution. So in between 1735 and 1924, a total of 381 people were executed by this method. So there you have it. I mean, that's kind of like how I could tie the Idaho case into Georgia. But yeah, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on the firing squad? Okay, moving on to the next topic. 2024. Okay, so I haven't talked a lot about my perspective on, I don't know if I said anything at all, really. And no one seems to ask me, which is kind of bizarre, because I normally get a lot of political questions. But what are my thoughts on the people who are thinking about running, who have jumped in the race? Like, what's, what's going on? So, I personally see, out of everybody being rumored, of course, we have Nikki Haley, you got Mike Pence, you have Mike Pompeo, Tim Scott now is starting to kind of rev up a little bit. Um, you know, out of the whole, all the usual suspects, I feel like our top three right now is Trump, DeSantis, and Vivek. Ramaswamy. And the reason why I mentioned those three is because Trump clearly has an established base. Um, and I don't think it's just MAGA. I think there are, uh, uh, there's a portion of people who don't consider themselves to be part of the MAGA crowd, but they, they're starting to feel like people are targeting Trump unnecessarily. And so I do think that there are some people who may be leaning in his direction a little more so than they probably were in the past. DeSantis. DeSantis clearly has the anti-Trump, but not the never Trump. It's just more like, I just want to see something different. I, you know, want to see what it looks like to see something different. Um, can we have the same policy outcomes without the emotional responses? And that tends to be, uh, there's a lot of people who feel that way, which what makes DeSantis, you know, definitely um, in the top two, if not sometimes the front runner. Um, but then there's, there's Vivek Ramaswamy. Now he's a young guy and he is very established. He's done a lot. And the reason why I really like him and I'm not saying that as if I will vote for him because I'm just not sure because I'll, I'll get into my little concerns around them. But I will say that the things that I like about him is that I feel that he is going to bring balance to the primary 
conversation. He's extremely knowledgeable of the issues. I feel like I want to be around him. Like I want to go to something that he's at. And I hope that I get to meet him if he comes to Georgia because I want to get his vibe, get his energy. And I say that because sometimes, you know, you come across a different way on TV than you may in person. And sometimes I feel like he comes across really rehearsed. I kind of question his authenticity a little bit because it's just a little too polished for me. I mean, it's like there's never a moment where you kind of pause and you're like, uh, prime example, when DeSantis was asked the question about who would be a t- worse competitor or, or, or harder to beat um, Trump or Biden. I mean, you saw a legit pause where it was a human response. Like, I didn't already have this answer prepared. We didn't already talk about this. He was like, I mean, I don't know. You know, it just seemed to me a little bit more authentic than people who have a rehearsed answer, which is why I'm just not feeling Nikki Haley because I just feel like Nikki Haley is too prepared, right? And I heard about the binder at CPAC and I just, I think we're all over binders, but anyway. So in 2024, I think the big question or thing that I'm watching, and I've been saying this and I keep saying it over and over again. If there is someone who runs in a third party as an independent, not a libertarian, but as an independent, whether it's Joe Manchin or anybody else, I am telling you that person may be a dark horse in this race. And I'm telling you this because I can clearly see how both sides of the party, Democrat or Republican, both sides are completely out of touch. I mean, we're talking about issues that are important, but not a priority to majority of Americans. Things are changing. Stuff is happening. It's like speaking to the top 1% while the 99% is all, you know, um, I'm talking about something totally different. A lot of times we forget that 1% is just that. It's small. It's a small group. A, a poll, recent poll show that libertarians, I mean, I'm sorry, show that independents make up 45% of the voting population, while Republicans are just 25 and Democrat is 30%. Ask yourself, do a personal test. Do a personal test. Do you know how many people you know? Not the people you closely hang around, not your like-minded people, but when you go out and you talk to people who are not in the political space or political circles, ask yourself, How many of them identify as Democrat or Republican? I'm hearing more and more people say neither. That is why we need to pay attention and see what happens when it comes to a possible independent candidate. But I believe that I'm I'm not opposed to it because I think if you throw an independent in there, once again, it's going to force a balanced conversation. Of course. So... That conversation, I believe this 2024 election cycle may be our best yet. Um, I don't think it's like the most concerning because, you know, I mean, we kind of say that all the time and I think they're all extremely important and very concerning, but I do think this is going to be probably the one I enjoy the most. I'm hoping because I'm hoping we actually get to, we get to have real conversations. Okay. That's a good segue into our next topic, which is 
our former president, President Trump. So recently he made a a post on Truth Social where he stated that he was going to be arrested on Tuesday. Now, I'm going to be honest, I didn't believe it. I didn't believe it one bit because, um, I don't know, I just felt like there would be an indictment. I don't know. I just, I, I, I did not believe it. Um, I started to question it, whether I was right or wrong, because I didn't hear the left say anything like, oh, we're not going to do that. But I just didn't believe it. I mean, I don't know. And I'm be honest, I still don't. Like, I don't think Trump is going to be arrested. I that may have been the the idea, but I don't know really. Re, I don't know if I'm ready to say that him not being arrested on Tuesday was because he just kind of threw it out there, or if it was because he threw it out there. That's where I'm a little little concerning. But I I just wonder sometimes if we're being hyped up. I wonder sometimes if this is, you know, Trump knowing how to play to his base and to the Republican Party. Um, We, when it comes to our freedoms, when it comes to overreach, government overreach, that is our trigger point. That is a trigger point directly for Republicans. Just like how racism is a trigger point for Democrats and that topic, I feel the same way when it comes to our liberties and our freedoms. And while I think that that's, I don't think that's a bad thing to have. I think we all should kind of get upset when we hear these things. I don't want us jumping to conclusions. I think we've got to pull it back and make sure that we're focusing in on what's really going on. But I really need the left to understand something. (laughs) So when it comes to this topic, I don't understand why the left doesn't un- doesn't get our frustrations around the the their behavior. Um, understanding, like they're the ones who talk about the use of excessive force all the time, and for some reason, there's this assumption that excessive force is only when it comes to physical interaction. But I think this is absolutely an excessive force. I mean, when you're threatening to indict over a mis- a possible misdemeanor. I mean, from what my understanding, I think it was a misdemeanor if that's the case, but no one cares so much about the punishment or the conviction as much as they care about the excessive force. You know, the whole charade of having to run in his house. And I mean, when you when, when we saw the, the raid on Mar-a-Lago, which was done so that we could be distracted from um, the Afghanistan anniversary, when you see stuff like that, and then you look at what they did with Biden and Pence and everybody else who had documents, and then and then where is the where? Why are we not talking about the documents anymore? I mean, aren't we at a point now where we're just kind of over all of these new things? Like it's always something different, and I think most people would agree that paying a prostitute hush money is not high on the morality chart. Like I, I don't think I don't think anyone thinks that that he shouldn't you know, be told off or whatever. I mean, it was wrong, right? However, arresting Trump when, especially in New York, when you have rapists who are being put back on the streets, it just looks crazy. It looks bizarre. 
It's like, how is it that you're you're pushing for bail reform over here? You're trying to release people over there. You're trying to fight this over there. But then when it comes to Trump, it's like, I'm going to put the full force of the police behind you. And I'm going to make sure that everybody knows. And it's like, you're not giving him the same person. So now we have a bias and it's a clear bias. And that is a problem. That's what gets people hyped up. That's what gets people all up in their feelings. So I think that, you know, it's interesting to me when I listen to the the critics as well, who were like, yeah, I hope he does get locked up. I hope he gets arrested. I mean, I'm like, these are the same people who said that the justice system was systematically racist. And I'm just like, so now you got faith in the justice system? I mean, okay. I don't know. It just seems very hypocritical. And I just, I'm waiting to see if the president is arrested. But I'm be honest, I don't think he will be. I don't think it's going to happen. And I do question if it really was the thing. But here's the thing. I think we're going to find out. We're going to find out at some point. So <laughs> let's just sit tight and buckle up. Okay, my next topic. Let's talk about DeSantis and the hate that he's getting. So I didn't even realize how many... I didn't realize how much <laughs> hate was coming towards DeSantis because he might be thinking about running for office, for president. Um... Okay, my number one question is why? Like, why are we doing this? It always, whenever I see people jumping ahead of people, in other words, Governor DeSantis has not announced that he's running for president. Now, I get it. He hasn't said he's not, but he hasn't announced that he's running for president. The most we have is momentum from people who want him to run. So when you start attacking him prior to that, it just, to me, it weakens the person who's attacking him. It makes me think that you're nervous, that you're scared. And then that makes me think, well, I should be concerned too. Like, what? maybe I, I need to look at this guy a little bit closer if he's a threat, if he's, if he's making you respond now. So there are people who are attacking Governor DeSantis for not responding fast enough to the um, tweet or the, the truth social post about Trump possibly being arrested, which it sounded like he was going to be. But anyway, so, and I was just thinking to myself, like, I'm like, well, he's a sitting governor. He's not a vice president. He's not a senator. He's not even on the federal level. And I mean, what exactly should he say? And then I was like, I don't necessarily want a leader who is quick to respond to things. Sometimes I want you to wait it out, pay attention, look at what we're looking at. Let us know what you're doing, but I'm not looking for a a deep response like immediately. And to be clear, to be clear, and this is why I am really big on hypocrisy because it shows up on both sides of the aisle. To be clear... Trump was a bit silent when it comes to the whole woke culture for a while, too. But we didn't expect anything out of him because, why? Because he was out of office. So he'll obviously may make a statement here or there, but I don't think, I mean, we didn't expect much about it. And then why can't people disagree with things that are happening with Trump? 
I'm so confused because when Trump is touting the vaccine and there's so many people who are concerned about that and things are coming out every day about that, no one has anything to say. It's like, he's totally fine for that. Except for Candace Owens. She did address that. But I mean, I'm just, I just, I don't want us to be hypocritical. I really want us to like tone it back, pay attention Make sure that we're giving the same energy to DeSantis that we give to Trump and that we're not out here playing, you know, a, the sixth man in the game here. We need to be onlookers watching this game to make sure that we are looking at how each person plays and let them battle it out. Now, obviously, it's up to us to vote. But I kind of look at it like my favorite TV show, Survivor. (laughs) So on Survivor, they say you got to outwit, outlast, and outplay. And I kind of feel like those are the three things, right? Like, but instead, I would like to throw, you know, having policy positions. Like, what is your policy position? How do you play this? How are you going to play this game on this campaign trail? Are you witty enough to be able to combat the silliness that we know is going to come at some point? And are you going to outlast everyone, right? So I'm watching it without, you know, trying to help assist, okay? Like we're in the stands, we're cheering on, we're definitely defending our positions and helping other people see why we're supporting this person, but let's be clear, we don't need to be kicking the ball out of bounds and doing things that will seemingly help one person more than the other. I think there needs to be some balance to all of this. So that's just my take on that topic of the DeSantis hate. So let's com- conclude with another hot topic, which is whether we should continue minority engagement or not. So This topic is exhausting. I mean, as a minority, it's exhausting to me to always continue to have to discuss minority engagement. And to be honest, it was a, it's something that I pulled away from for several years while I was actively involved in politics because I just didn't want to be pigeonholed. But I do think that there is a responsibility that we play as those who are not the majority in your party. Not to balance things out, but to ensure that your party is being represented appropriately. I do think that it is up to those in your party who represent certain communities, ethnic communities, genders. I mean, when I talk about minority, I'm not just talking about ethnic. I want to talk about women as well. I mean, I do think that there is a role to be played um, when you're part of that community. So, and I don't think that we should fall back now when we're on a verge of a breakthrough. Like, there's a lot of work that has been put in over the course of decades to try to show, particularly the Black community, that there's another option and you need to pay attention because your option may not be the best option. We're seeing the Latino community start to shift. Um, and we, and I, and I believe that we're going to see that happen across the board. So I don't think that's, you know, the time, I don't think we should pull back right now. Matter of fact, 
I actually feel more pulled to minority engagement. And the reason why is because the messaging is just God awful. So Kelvin started Let's Win for America Action. And the reason why he started that and I came along as his co-chair is because we... We, we feel like we could make bigger strides if we had better messaging and better, better messengers. There are just small little details that have been a hang-up, so to speak. Um, like, you know, having conversations with Black conservatives that seem to be disconnected from the Black culture. Um, having conversations where people are just not as respected or they appear to be individuals who don't really want anything to do with the black community as long as, or the Hispanic community until it's political time. And that's when you kind of turn on your race card. So, or play your race card. And I've seen all of that happen. I mean, and then on some sides, there's been conversations around whether or not, there's been a lot of opportunists that have come and said, I'm going to do minority engagement and they pull all your money and tell you to invest in this stuff. And then nothing really comes out of it. So I completely understand the concerns, the frustrations, even those who feel like it's not necessary, but the biggest misconception is to think that because we're all in America, that we all see America the same way. And that's not necessarily the case. So what we're doing with Let's Win for America Action is we are promoting um, good, strong messaging to minority communities. Um, We're doing it through direct targeting them through social media. We have an event that we're working on that's going to focus on not just pre-creating opportunities, but bridging a gap or creating access to those opportunities by connecting people in the community to the opportunities that we have have, and with other companies. And we want to create upward mobility, but most importantly, we want to make sure that we serve as a, as a, as as an access ramp onto the, the plane of opportunity. Um, So anyway, we have that coming up. We have Bourbon and Blazers, which is our fundraiser. The Save the Date should already be circulating. Um, If you haven't seen it, go to my social media. Please, 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 RSVP. Tickets will be available soon. It is a fundraiser, but we're going to have different levels for for your financial, wherever you are financially. I know that we are in a different uh, time right now, and people are kind of going through some things. So... We have different levels. Um, But that being said, we definitely want to make sure (laughs) that we are raising money so that we can go on TV, that we can, you know, send these messages out in the mail and just kind of give people something to think about. Like that is our focus. We want to give you something to think about. And... If you don't think the division in this country is a major problem, I, I you're you're sadly mistaken. I think it's more important than socialism or the threat of socialism or communism. The reason why is because it is extremely challenging to move a country forward when you're divided. I mean, it took 
majority of the 13 colonies to establish the constitution. And it was something that was absolutely needed. So I definitely believe that we need to pay attention to the division and make sure that we are remedying, remedying it as much as possible and that we play a valuable role. My biggest concern outside of the division of socialism is just ignorance. And I think that that can be combated through good messaging and putting things in people's hands to say, hey, you may not want to believe this, but here are the facts. So you have to now decide, am I going to listen to the facts or am I going to stay in my feelings and in my emotions? And if you stay in your feelings and your emotions, then you're doing the same thing you've been doing, expecting a different result, and you probably won't get that. So here's another option. Not saying you got to believe it 100%, but it's definitely something to consider. So I don't think anything will happen if we don't accept that we are definitely in a a unique space. I think that right now we're seeing more and more people of different backgrounds want to hear the Republican message. And it's unfortunate that we have to have this conversation because the Republican Party has a long history of diversity, of fighting for the rights of, of, of minorities. I mean, a long history. And somehow we've allowed the left to kind of hijack our history and pretend like it's theirs and then act like theirs did not exist and that somehow we flipped people. I mean, it's the weirdest story that I don't believe, I can't believe that people actually believe, but I am hearing it less and that's a good thing. However, I just think that as a conservative, we cannot get, um, we can't get relaxed or comfortable now thinking that all there's going to be an automatic shift because the left is so bad. That's not typically how it goes. You know, if anything, it goes back to my original point about the independent. We may be growing our independent base, which may not turn out good for Republicans or Democrats in the long run. So we need to make sure that we're creating a space where we can increase from being 25% to at least 40%. And then we're in a position where we can actually combat and have a real conversation should there be a third party candidate or independent candidate. So that's my take on these hot topics. I hope you enjoyed it. Please give me feedback. Shoot me a text, email something. Message me on social media if you enjoyed having the hot topics section. And if so, then I will do this more often. All right. So talk to you later. Hope you have a great, great, great Tuesday. All right. Please remember to like, share, and follow this podcast. And if you heard something that you really enjoyed, please give it five stars. Wait, I want to start that over because I, I put that sentence somewhere. I didn't look, I didn't look at the sentence that goes after it. <laughs> I'm going to start that over because I added a sentence and then look at the previous, <laughs> the sentence that goes after it. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for listening to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. Remember to like, share, and follow this podcast so you'll be notified when a new episode is uploaded. And if you like what you heard, please give it five stars. And I need feedback. If the topic, if there's a topic, dang it, I was so good. All right, let me start over. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Janelle King. Oh, my Lord. (laughs) I forgot the name of my podcast. Okay. 
Thank you for listening to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. Remember to like, share, and follow this podcast so you'll be notified when new episodes have been uploaded. And if you heard something that you like, please give it five stars. And guess what? I need your feedback. Or if you just have a topic that you want to hear or some ideas and ways that I can help to make this podcast more enjoyable for you, please shoot me an email. It goes directly to me at I am period Janelle King at gmail.com. That's I am dot Janelle King at gmail.com. And like I always say, remember, disagreement is democracy. Thank you for listening. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Ballou here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. <sighs> or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing. Or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands, an easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at CampMargaritavilleLanierIslands.com.